as we prepare to come to God's word together this morning, brothers and sisters, let us come before him in a time of prayer, asking that he will bless this time and that he would prepare our hearts to receive his word this morning. Blessed you are, God of our Lord Jesus Christ, Father of glory. Blessed you are, eternal God, source of wisdom and knowledge. Give us a spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of Christ. Enlighten the eyes of our hearts that we may know what is the hope to which we have been called. Reveal yourself to us, for we can only know you if you give yourself to be known. As we come now to your word, O Lord, we thank you for revealing yourself to us in your word. We pray that you would bless this time, that you would open our eyes, our ears, our hearts, our minds to receive your word. Please give your servant your words to speak. May they be your words and not mine. Help me to be attentive to your Holy Spirit's guiding and leading. And may your name, your most holy, precious, and awesome name be honored, glorified, and magnified here this morning. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Well, I invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Psalms, to Psalm 23, a well-known and well-loved psalm. Maybe at one point or another, you maybe have memorized this psalm. It's definitely one that is good to keep tucked away in our memories to be able to lean on during various seasons of life as various circumstances and situations come our way as we remember our good shepherd. Psalm 23. Psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me, In the presence of my enemies, you anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is the word of the Lord. I also invite you to turn with me in your bulletins. You can find printed there the first question and answer of the Heidelberg Catechism. I'll read the question, and then I invite us all to respond together responsively with the answer. Brothers and sisters in Christ, what is your only comfort in life and in death? That I am not my own, but belong, body and soul, in life and in death, to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. He has fully paid for all my sins with his precious blood, and has set me free from the tyranny of the devil. He also watches over me in such a way that not a hair can fall from my head without the will of my Father in heaven. In fact, all things must work together for my salvation. Because I belong to him, Christ by his Holy Spirit assures me of eternal life and makes me wholeheartedly willing and ready from now on, to live for him. The 
Dear congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, what do we find comfort in? What do we find comfort in? Growing up, maybe it was a stuffed animal that we carried around with us. We brought it everywhere that we went. It never left our sides until over the course of time it grew worn and wearied over the years of love. Maybe it was a special blanket that a family member, a parent or a grandparent maybe made for us that we toted around everywhere with us. Maybe it was a parent, that we, one that we could run to when the darkness seemed to close in at night or when we were hurt or sick. How about as the years begin to fly by, what do we find comfort in as we get older? Maybe it's still a parent or a family member or someone that we can turn to with the various difficulties, the various circumstances that we face in life when we feel pressed in by the world, when life's difficulties begin to overwhelm us. Maybe we find comfort in stable jobs, having consistent work to be done. Maybe we find comfort in our finances, stable incomes, or nest eggs if things were ever to go awry. While these, can be, these are beneficial and can be good things, they can ultimately change or be gone in a moment, just like that. They don't bring everlasting comfort, especially as we stare into the face of death. Brothers and sisters, we need to find that comfort in the only one, the only one who can provide that, our Lord, our Good Shepherd. We're going to explore this theme of God, our good shepherd, being our only comfort in both life and in death together this morning. And we're going to take a look at it in three different ways that we see God comfort us in this psalm of Psalm 23. Namely, in that he is, one, our providing shepherd, two, our guiding and guarding shepherd, and three, our sheltering shepherd. Let's turn to take a look at our first point together this morning of God as our providing shepherd. Take a look with me there at verse 1, where we see David write, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Now, what do we know about David? We know that before he was king over Israel, he was a shepherd. He cared for sheep. So it's not surprising that we see him speaking in shepherding terms here in the psalm, speaking and using language and terms from his own experience, from his own life. As a king, David would have been seen also as a shepherd over his people, over the people of Israel. But what do we see here at the beginning of the psalm? David says, the Lord is my shepherd. Now, David would have had very great authority as king over Israel, but here we see that he ultimately submits to a higher authority, to the one who is truly the king, the Lord. We see this echoed in the catechism when it says that I am not my own, but belong body and soul and life and in death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. David, like the rest of us, is simply a humble sheep of the good shepherd to whom we belong. Then in the second half of verse 1, we read, I shall not want. Another way that this could be understood or rendered is, I shall not be in want. So what's the difference? With the wording of I shall not be in want, rather than it being simply about not wanting something, David is stating that he will not lack anything that he needs. It's like a parent with a child. Parents know what their children need to grow, so a child may not be given everything that their heart desires. 
not, maybe not a new phone or a new toy or ice cream for breakfast, lunch, or dinner, but rather what they need. God may not give us everything that we want, but he will provide all that we need. We see David continue this line of thought, this shepherding language in verse 2. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Grass and water. Things that are necessary for sustaining the life of sheep. Oftentimes when we hear these lines, maybe we think of green, grassy fields, rivers winding lazily through the countryside, sheep spread across the hills grazing. I know oftentimes this was a picture that I had growing up in my mind. However, where shepherds tend their sheep, it's actually out in the dry wilderness where there might only be a few sprigs of grass here and there for the sheep and little streams to water, which would then require quite a bit of movement for the flock as they have to go around and look for more food, more water. And the shepherd, their shepherd leads them to it. We see God doing this with the people of Israel and their wilderness wanderings after he redeems them up out of Egypt. God provides manna for them and water from rocks along the way. David concludes the section saying, he restores my soul. Beacon Light, how about us? Are we able to say with David, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want? Where in our lives do we maybe need to grow in our trust of God to provide for our needs? Maybe it's needing to trust the Lord for strength for the day or for an upcoming task that's ahead of us. At times we try to do things in our own strength. And I know I do this at times as well. We think that we can do it on our own. We have the strength to face whatever's before us, but our strength can and will fail us at times. And that is why we need to lean on our Lord and Creator in those circumstances, those situations, those seasons of life, all throughout life, relying upon his grace and strength. Whatever the case may be, wherever we need to trust the Lord to provide for our needs, as we see here in our passage this morning, we can take great comfort knowing that God provides even in the midst of our driest wildernesses of life, albeit in his timing and in his way. Jesus himself seeks to comfort and encourage when he says in the Sermon on the Mount, and which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Matthew six twenty-seven through 33. Brothers and sisters, let us take comfort knowing that our good shepherd provides for our needs, that he provides in his timing and in his way. With that in mind, let's turn to take a look at another way that God is our only comfort by seeing how he is our guiding and guarding shepherd. Take a look with me at the second half of verse 3. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. 
He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Now, what are paths of righteousness that David is talking about here? One person, puts it, one person puts it simply, although paths of righteousness may have an unusual ring to our ears, it can mean no more than the right path. That is, the one that gets you where you need to go. So we see David affirming that God, his and our shepherd, will lead us where we are to go, that he will guide us along the path. As we're going to see in a little bit, though, that pathway isn't always the easiest, the brightest, or sunniest of pathways. Before that, though, we see that, David, that God leads his sheep for a specific reason, which David states at the end of that verse, for his name's sake. Now, names mean a lot in Israel's culture as they dealt with one's own character. So, we, so with God leading and guiding his people as their shepherd, for his name's sake, we see him acting according to his nature and for his honor and glory. But as we said before, not always is the pathway the easiest, as we see in the first part of verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. At times with guiding a flocks from one grazing spot to another, the pathways can be rugged, difficult, even treacherous. I had the blessing and privilege a number of years ago with a group from college to go over to Israel and participate in a number of hikes. And one of those hikes was through a dried out riverbed. And the terrain there was very rugged and difficult. At different points, we were up against the side of a uh, canyon wall, walking along. And so those pathways can be rugged and difficult to traverse. But what does David say here? Even when he is being led through the darkest of valleys, he will fear no evil. And why is that? We see that in the rest of verse 4. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. David can rest and not fear even the darkest valley because the Lord, his God, is with him, guiding and guarding him through it all. Like the Catechism says, he also watches over me in such a way that not a hair can fall from my head without the will of my Father in heaven. God watches over us. He guards us and guides us throughout this journey of life. He preserves us to the end. But David's not done describing God's guarding work over him and us. In verse 5 we read, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Here we see David is shifting from shepherding language and now speaks in terms of human interaction by talking about the Lord preparing a table before him in the presence of his enemies. Not only that, but the Lord is the one serving, as we see another glimpse of his providing in the anointing with oil and an overflowing cup in the midst of his guiding and guarding. So what about us, brothers and sisters? How can we grow in our trust of God to guide and guard us, where might we need to trust God to guide and guard us in this life? We may not face an actual treacherous valley like David describes here, but we do, do face various choices and decisions in life. Maybe there's a difficult financial decision that you need to make, or maybe a decision to move somewhere. There are any number of decisions that we make on a day-to-day basis, and even more over the course of our lives. But let us trust God through them all, resting that he knows what is best and that he will meet our needs. And while there might not be 
a physical valley that we have to face. There is one valley that if the Lord should tarry, we all will face one day. The true valley of the shadow of death. Death can be the scariest valley, the darkest one to walk through, and our last enemy. It's a topic that we don't like to discuss if we're honest with ourselves or even really think about. But there are times in our lives where we see death up close and personal, front and center in our lives. Maybe with the passing of a loved one or a friend, a coworker maybe, or a classmate. And yet, and yet, brothers and sisters, if we are in Christ, we need not fear death's dark valley. For we have a beautiful, beautiful promise in the line of this psalm. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. In Christ, our good shepherd, we have one who not only walked with those who grieved, who mourned on this side of death's doors, we have one who experienced grief himself over the loss of his friend Lazarus. But we have one who has walked through death's doors and overcame them. Our God has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He will walk with us in our times of loss and grief. And he will also guide and guard us and be with us when it, time, when it comes time for us to walk through that valley ourselves. But there is only one way to enjoy that comfort, which we see in the second question and answer of Lord's Day 1. That we must know how great our sin and misery are. How we are set free from all our sins and misery and how we are to thank God for such deliverance. Ever since the fall, we have been at enmity with God, rebelling against our Lord and Creator. And yet, as we see here in our passage, God invites us to table, which is to set aside enmity and to assume responsibility for the safety of one's guest while in your dwelling, as one person puts it. But our sin, our rebellion, it cannot just be set aside in the presence of a holy and just God. Our sin, it demands payment. And thanks be to God that he graciously provided that payment through Christ's precious blood shed on the cross as he took our place, taking our punishment, and then rising again from the dead three days later. This is what we will be proclaiming in just a little bit when we take communion, Christ's death. For those of us who believe in Christ, as the Catechism puts it, he has fully paid for all, for all our sins with his, with his precious blood and has set us free from the tyranny of the devil. And we can enjoy this comfort of not needing to fear death's dark valley. If you're here this morning or tuning in online and you don't know the Lord, receive this free gift of his grace purchased at the, precious, the cost of Christ's precious blood shed on the cross. Receive this free gift of grace. Repent of your sin. Believe in Jesus Christ. Submit your life to him. Surrender to his lordship. Not only does God provide for us, not only does he guard and guide us throughout this life, but we see here in our third and final point that God is our only comfort in that he is our sheltering shepherd. Take a look with me at verse 6. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Here we see David looking ever forward and finding comfort in the Lord, trusting that his blessing will continue, that his blessing will persist. 
John Calvin, commenting on this passage, gives a cautionary word, though, lest we think that this means we'll never experience trouble or hardship. He, being David, does not say, my cup shall be always full, or my head shall be always perfumed with oil. But in general, he entertains the hope that as the goodness of God never fails, catch that, that the goodness of God never fails, he will be favorable towards him even to the end. David continues his look forward, even looking forward to dwelling in the house of the Lord forever. Just as he began the psalm with the personal name of the Lord, so he ends the psalm with the personal name of the Lord, referencing the Lord's house. Now, ultimately, to keep in mind with this phrase, dwell in the house of the Lord, we can see it denoting continued protection and fellowship with God, the comfort of finding solace under the shelter of his wings. The Catechism resounds this note when it says, Because I belong to him, Christ, by his Holy Spirit, assures me of eternal life and makes me wholeheartedly willing and ready from now on to live for him. How about us, brothers and sisters? Where might we need to seek shelter in God throughout the course of this life? Our comforting good shepherd. Maybe it's in a difficult trial where we feel as though we can barely stand anymore burdened under the weight of the world, as it were. Instead of seeking comfort in other things that can ultimately fail, rather we should seek shelter, seek comfort, seek solace in the one who is overall, the one who is sovereign over all of creation, resting in his goodness and mercy. Christ encourages us to come to him, to seek that shelter, that solace in him when he says, come to me all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. Maybe it's in the midst of temptation when we feel like doing something we know is wrong. In those moments, we need to seek refuge and shelter in God, the one who will not let you be tempted beyond your ability and the one who will provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. 1 Corinthians 10.13. So, congregation of Beacon Light, what do we find comfort in? What do we find comfort in? As we talked about earlier, there are lots of temporary and worldly things that we tend to seek comfort from or in, and while they can be good things, they ultimately are fleeting and don't bring everlasting comfort As we have seen throughout our passage in the Catechism this morning, we ultimately find that there is only one, only one in whom we can find that kind of comfort, the Lord, our Good Shepherd, whom David praises throughout this psalm. And our first point of God being our providing shepherd, we can take comfort knowing that God will provide all that we need. Maybe not everything that our hearts desire, but that we will lack nothing that we need. Likewise, in our second point of God being our guiding and guardian shepherd, we can rest in the midst of life's valleys, knowing that he will guide and guard us the whole way through, even through life's final valley. And in our third point of God being our sheltering shepherd, we can take solace in him, for he is our shelter. He is our refuge, our strong and mighty tower. There are a lot of things that we tend to take comfort in, brothers and sisters. But to go throughout life's journeys, journey to face death's doors. God, our good shepherd, is the only one 
who provides that everlasting comfort. And we look forward to the day when we will, as David writes in verse 6, dwell in the house of the Lord forever, in the place that he has prepared for us, praising our comforting good shepherd, worshiping him forevermore. Amen. Dear Lord God and Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning and we thank you. We thank you for this time that we could spend together in your word. We thank you for revealing yourself to us in your word. Lord, we thank you for the beautiful truths, the beautiful promises in your word that you are our good shepherd and that you guide and lead us throughout this life, that you provide for us, that you shelter us. Help us as we go out into our days and weeks ahead, Lord, that we would rest in these beautiful promises, these beautiful truths, that we would rest knowing that you provide for our needs, whatever situation or circumstance we might be facing in life, that you will provide for us every step of the way. Help us to rest knowing that you guide and guard us, that you will bring us safely home to that haven of rest and that you will guide and guard us throughout this whole journey of life through, that you are by our sides, you walk with us through it all. We are never alone. You never leave us or forsake us, but that you are with us to the end. Lord, help us to rest in you, seeking shelter in you in the midst of life's storms, the various seasons of life, of the various difficulties that come our way. Help us to seek shelter in you during those times, but throughout all of our lives, in the good and the bad. May we seek you, Lord. We love you. We thank you, especially for the gift of your son, Jesus, and his death on the cross for our sins. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for your love to us, your love for us. In your precious son, Jesus' name we pray. Amen.